You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Hi there, I'm Rachel Zimmerman, and this is my first show ever. This is the debut show on KMOX. This is very, very exciting. So I thank all of you for listening and for being here. I don't know if you've heard me before on the Dave Glover Show, weekdays 1 to 5 p.m. right here on KMOX. Or maybe you've never heard me before, but either way, I'm just glad you're here and I'm so glad you're listening, and hopefully we're going to have some fun together. I wanted to start the show by thanking everyone who took the time to reach out in real life and on social media to tell me congratulations on the new show. It was honestly overwhelming the amount of people who told me congrats, made me feel like a million bucks. I was hearing from people I hadn't heard from in years, and it just made me feel really, really good that people were taking the time out of their day to say something nice to me. So thank you so much. It means the world uh, for real, you guys. Um... The thing is, though, is it had me glued to social media a lot this week because I was getting so many tweets and Instagram messages, and it felt really good. It was was nice. Um, But after a while, you start to kind of obsessively check, like, oh, well, did anyone else say anything? And suddenly it's like the online world is more important than the real-life world. And I don't know about you, but that's something I struggle with from time to time. Not that I'm on social media a whole lot, but I have a tendency to kind of get caught up in what's going on there. Especially if there's negativity, it's really hard to just look at it and not have it affect me. And I know I can't be the only one out there like that. The thing is, you have to remind yourself that this is only happening in this space. It's not happening in real life. I mean, sometimes it bleeds over into real life, but in general, it's on that screen. And if it's bothering you or if it's hindering your life in any way, you can turn away from the screen. And even if it's not bothering you, maybe you were getting a little too much validation from it, like I was this week. Sometimes it's good to kind of check yourself there and go, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't the end of the end all be all. We have to get back into real life. So I don't know. I know that little rant is not going to change the course of history. We're all online more than we ever have been. And it's going to continue to be that way with the metaverse and AI and such. But uh, it's just an important reminder that you can turn away if you need to. There's no shame in that. And it sounds like a silly reminder, like, oh, well, duh, of course you can turn away. But sometimes I forget it and I have to remind myself. So that's my little message to you, the listener, tonight. All right. Not only is it the first ever Rachel Zimmerman show, it's also the first week of October, which is extremely exciting. I am ready for fall this year. The problem is for a while now, it has not felt like fall. It's been an extremely warm September and even the beginning of October was pretty warm. Now it's cooling off and it's feeling all right starting to feel like fall again. Uh, But uh, on October 3rd, I thought of the movie Mean Girls because there's a meme that floats around every year around that time. Basically, the plot of the movie is this homeschooled girl starts going to high school in the United States. She falls in with the plastics. Those are the mean girls. And she is, you know... uh, uh, originally there to spy on them for her real friends but then after a while she kind of gets caught up and becomes a mean girl herself but anyway she has a crush on this guy and she's obsessed with him they're in a math class together and she's like on October 3rd he asked me what day it was and then it cuts to him asking and she says October 3rd so everybody posts that on October 3rd it's in everybody's social media calendar I guess 
And it kind of kicks off the fall for a lot of people. So I decided to watch Mean Girls on October 3rd. And gosh, it still holds up. I really love that movie. And I know you're probably thinking, of course you love that movie. You're a millennial. It was made for you. And yeah, that's true. But it's just a good movie overall. It's kind of stood the test of time. Now, keep in mind, there are some things that are, you know, less savory. The repeated use of the R word is a little jarring. And the way they talk about gay people is kind of like, ugh, you know, we've moved past that. But it was like 2004, 2005. It was a different time. So you got to keep that in mind when you're watching a movie like that. But I think the story itself is kind of timeless. Fish out of water, trying to fit in, And then you lose yourself in the very thing that you're trying to avoid. I think that happens to a lot of people. And it's also a story of redemption of how to get back to your true self. Plus, it's just funny. And it reminds you of high school in the early 2000s. So what's not to love about that? So check out Mean Girls if you haven't seen it already. Maybe we'll do little uh, movie roundups every once in a while on the Rachel Zimmerman Show. I don't know. It just sounded like something fun to talk about for our debut episode Let's see, what do I want to talk about before we get into our first guest? Oh, I do want to encourage you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Rachel ZSTL. That's at Rachel ZSTL. I know I just did this whole rant about how social media can be bad for you sometimes, and that's true, but it can also be a really fun and useful tool to connect with the things that you like. And I like you guys for listening, so I hope you'll follow me there. All right, our first guest when we come back is Kara Spencer. She's the older person from the 8th Ward. And whenever I was thinking of who I wanted to be on my show, Kara's name was actually at the top of my list. So I am extremely lucky that she agreed to be my first guest ever. The reason I wanted to talk to Kara is because I perceive her as someone who really cares about our community, really cares about our city, and is looking towards the future and all the things we could be doing in the city of St. Louis. Yeah, we have our problems here for sure, and there's a time and a place to talk about that, but there's also a time and a place to look ahead and talk about what is possible. And that's what we're going to talk about with Kara Spencer. When we come back, you're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Welcome back to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. It's time to talk to older person from the 8th Ward, Kara Spencer. So uh, first things first, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, when you were a kid. What kind of stuff interested you, and did you ever see yourself getting into politics? Well, no, I never saw myself getting into politics. I guess as a kid, um, you know, I was really uh, – played soccer. I was pretty typical, uh, you know, St. Louis kid. I, I did a lot of uh, – uh, searching for rocks and creeks and playing with my friends, um, you know, but uh, played softball and that sort of thing. Maybe a bit of a tomboy to some extent, but um, but just pretty typical, t- typical childhood. Um, I didn't even study political science. It was really never on my radar. Uh, I went to Truman State University and studied mathematics and went to the field of mathematics following uh, following my university training and and uh, really kind of came into politics um, almost <laughs> on a whim. Mm. So you said you went to school for mathematics. Mm-hmm. How do politics and mathematics intersect if they do at all? Oh, gosh, they intersect a lot. I mean, I think mathematics really intersects with every aspect of life. I mean, there's so much, um, you know, logic and thinking and, and critical analysis that's important in every everyday life. But certainly when it comes to uh, making political decisions, I'm currently the chair of the budget committee. Uh, so going through this year's budget, understanding finances, I mean, a critical 
part of uh, a critical role for a municipal government really is to have a uh, an economic development plan, you know, a, a plan for the future for the city uh, to make sure that we have a, uh, you know, taxes that can cover the um, the uh, services that our citizens want, demand, and deserve. Uh, and so, you know, uh, understanding the mathematics, the you know, the, the finances, the numbers behind those things is really important. So you said you got into politics kind of on a whim. Can you lead me up to that point? Like, what was the driving <laughs> force behind, like, okay, I'm going to do it? Sure. Well, I got involved in my uh, my neighborhood. Um, and at the time, you know, there, you know, I just kind of felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect between the community and 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 um, the representative. Of course, I've come to have a different, I think, uh, perspective. But you know, at the time, you know, kind of, um, you know, thinking about the hurdles involved in, um, you know, putting together festivals like Cinco de Mayo. I, you know, up until the eighth ward, I represented the twentieth ward, which was. Uh, just along Cherokee Street in the neighborhood south of there, and seeing so much disinvestment in those communities over time, um, really started to kind of uh, work within the community uh, I was part of to to think about who you know how could we do things differently. Um, what are the hurdles here? We had a liquor moratorium that really prevented bars and restaurants in the community from from opening up, uh, which makes you know without selling alcohol makes it very very difficult to to run a restaurant. Um, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of interest in wanting to step up and run for public office at that time. This was, ten, you know, eight, eight, ten years ago. Um, and so I just really decided, you know, heck, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm complaining about it. Um, you know, I had enough interest um, and a little bit of a financial cushion. I suppose there was some luck there on my end, but um, decided to just, you know, hit the pavement um, and, and knocked on every single door in that ward <laughs> that spring and convinced people that I could do a better job. You actually knocked on my door right after you got elected <laughs> to the 8th. And that, that really impressed me because I just feel like you don't see that happen as much. It felt very old school and very <laughs> connected to the community. How important is that connection to you? Oh, it's critically important. I mean, um, especially, you know, switching wards like I did, you know, from the 20th uh, to the 8th. But even running for re-election in the 20th ward, knocking on those doors is really the key piece to to give you the tactile feeling of what is important to, to the community you represent. Um, you know, just knowing, uh, hearing over and over again, the trash, the you know, the, the 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 quality of the streets, those things that are important to people, really drive it home. What it is that as as the local elected official, I should be focusing on. And and I, um, you know, it, it's a little daunting. I mean, it's a little can be a little rote and, and a little bit re- repetitive because the issues are so so uh, pervasive. You know, they're so common. Um, but I, I truly do love it, and it is something that that, uh, that is very very important, not only to winning an election but to serving well. So let's talk a little bit about being a public servant in the city of St. Louis. I feel like most of us are connected to national politics. (laughs) And you see these politicians, it seems like they have an agenda. Maybe they're not listening to their constituents that much, but it's like, here's the culture war issue of the day. How much do you balance what you would like to accomplish with what you hear from people? And, you know, like, how do you balance that out and come to your vision of what you want to do? Sure. I mean, if I had my, you know, I mean, you know, it, it is tough to balance those things, but I do uh, try to get back to folks on a pretty regular basis daily if I can um, with concerns uh, with, you know, from everything from a, you know, a dumpster that needs to be replaced to a pothole to the really big issues like regulating Airbnb and other things. Um, I think it's really, really important to balance uh, both leadership um, and driving an agenda that kind of transcends and what you are elected to do, you know, to, to provide some leadership and really to react and be responsive to the everyday um, um, needs of, of our citizens. So 
um, it, it is a tough balance, but it's one I think that's really critical to doing the job well. Um, and I enjoy trying to trying to find that middle ground there. How has your day to day changed since uh, the alder person spot has become a full time thing and it's expanded? Sure. Well, the big thing is that it is full time, and so uh, you know I did leave a job at um, a local bank. Uh, to do this full time when I was elected uh, to the eighth ward. Um, and so my day to day, you know, it does allow me to focus on 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 this this role, uh, which is really nice. Um, you know, we have a lot of nighttime meetings, after, you know, evening and uh, weekend obligations. You know, I think uh, I have, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 regular monthly meetings of some kind, whether it's a neighborhood association or business association. So that takes me, you know, out of the home, you know, almost half the evenings uh, of the week. Um, and so to be able to balance that and, 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 and kind of, you know, during the day, find time to do other things is really, really important. And, and it's given me an opportunity to really focus on the issues. How do you, so I'm always fascinated when someone has a job like you do where you kind of have to be on all the time and ready to go. How do you get yourself in the zone every day? <laughs> I don't know. I just sort of wake up in it. Um, I, I really do love this job. So it's not like I have to fight to get in the zone. I find myself when I go um, out of town or on vacation just answering emails. I try not <laughs> to answer them all, but, uh, you know, finding I'm just, you know, very, very curious about what's going on. Um, you asked about the culture wars and that sort of thing. And, and those big issues, those national issues, are important to me as a human being. But honestly, um, the local issues, the municipal government issues, these are the things that drive me, making our government work better here locally. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, there's a lot of value to talking about some of those bigger issues. But my... I truly believe a municipal government should be focused on the core responsibilities of a municipal government. And getting too far outside of that means we're going to fail at the things that we need to be doing. Um, and so it's it's critically important to me to focus on those those things that may not be the sexiest, may not get the biggest headlines, but your trash pickup, you know, the, the, the how we're going to pave streets and how we're going to re- really invest the limited amount of infrastructure dollars that we have and how we're going to refocus and recenter um, our city, our region uh, into our downtown and the, the areas that um, really need to be strengthened to have a strong regional economy. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're really not performing. You know, in the last census, I, I was looking at the numbers uh, just randomly last night. You know, out of 798 cities, we're, we're 797, you know, as far as growth goes. We've lost almost 3% of our population in the last two years in a row. That is an unprecedented population and tax base loss here in the city of St. Louis. And and if you live in St. Charles, you may not think that that's super important to you. But if we don't have a strong regional core, we are going to continue to stagnate as a region for decades to come. And this is going to be a real problem, not only for us today, but for our children, our grandchildren, and for the future, the viability of St. Louis as a thriving community. So in your opinion, what's our biggest obstacle keeping us from performing? I think doing the job seriously of our city government. I mean, I really think we have an incredible and unprecedented set of assets here in the city of St. Louis. Um, our history, our culture, the location being on, I mean, being on the largest river in the United States. I get goosebumps every single time I talk about how incredible 
the asset uh, portfolio of St. Louis is. It really is unprecedented. Cities that are growing like Nashville would kill to have the built environment, a railway exchange building like we have here in St. Louis, a national monument in the heart of downtown, which has seen an incredible amount of investment around there. Um, you know, as far as the the, the the grounds of the arch themselves. Um, but we have, you know, failed in many ways to capitalize on those things. Our riverfront um, by by many city standards, is dead, um, and we haven't revitalized and brought people down to those assets in a way that is regular beyond just the games and the concerts and things like that. We need to have a a, a bustling downtown community, that core that we can center around, rally around, that people from around the nation, around the world, can point to as as the as the center of our community. When we come back, we will finish our conversation with Kara Spencer, Alderperson from the 8th Ward. You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. And we're back with part two of our conversation with Kara Spencer. What do you think we're lacking downtown? Like, if you could snap your fingers and hey, this is what we need, this is where the, the vacancy is, what sure. would you do? I mean, I think really the perception of crime um, and safety, um, and some of that is reality. Uh, you know, there has been some some real, uh, I think, impressive work done by volunteer organizations looking at uh, policing per capita, per crime in our downtown area, getting serious about addressing some of those quality of life issues. I mean, we have Airbnbs running amok. We have uh, traffic and, you know, uh, cruising and, and violence. I think that, you know, the gun proliferation in our communities has been a really big problem. Um, I'm really proud to be part of uh, reining in the open carrying of firearms early this year, I think it's making a big difference in the in the uh, the scene weapons um, in our downtown and in our neighborhoods, which is making a difference. Um, but you know those perceptions are really important. But I also think that just having you know, I would love to see uh, food trucks, vendors, regular opportunities to eat, drink, and have a good time on our riverfront. I, I'm really impressed with some of the organization around the landing and the work that's been going on there. I'm looking forward to a few you know, new spots coming in this fall, which I think will just really help to revitalize um, what is the entertainment district closest to our national monument. And it's a really important one. So turning to social media for a second, um, I was looking at your Twitter account in prepping for the interview, and you are by no means a flamethrower, but I did see you get <laughs> into the mix a couple of times. I'm just curious, when do you choose to ignore and when do you choose to engage when people are coming after you? Sure. Yeah, I mean, typically tend to ignore because it's too much to kind of engage with on a regular basis. And I think it takes I think it takes your kind of uh, focus off what you sh- what what I should be doing anyway, which is uh, which is working with real people and, and not Twitter trolls. But I do tend to I do choose to engage when I think it's uh, a value. You know, I mean, when there's accusation, you know, I, I withstand a lot of accusations and falsehoods. But um, at some point, you know, there's just a breaking point. But I think it's really important to make sure that I'm only engaging in a way that I think moves the dialogue forward. Um, you know, I try not to engage in anything personal. Um, sometimes it's a matter of clearing up the record or just, you know, putting my foot down once in a while. But, um, but, um, you know, for the most part, I stay, I try to stay above the fray. Do you ever feel like a political target? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, certainly I, I think I am a political target. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, I think that comes with a job. I, I don't let it bother me too much. I think one, one of the things I kind of like to use as a gauge is if it's bothering me too much, then, uh, you know, I may think it's time to look the other way mm. and kind of try to redirect uh, energy and focus in, in more productive and constructive ways. So you're a single mom. How do you balance that with being an older person? Oh, well, I have a 12-year-old. Um, my son, Cy, uh, uh, goes to uh, uh, McKinley Middle School um, uh, and uh, here in the city of St. Louis. And and so, uh, boy, that 7, 7 a.m. drop-off time is right in the middle of workout hour for me, so that's tough. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I have really great parents, my mom, Patty, and my dad, Bob, uh, who live in the area help out a tremendous amount. Um, they pick Sai, my son, up from school most days. Uh, we have other friends with whom he goes home from school sometimes. So it takes a village. Um, I'm lucky to have a good support system um, and a really, really, really understanding kid um, who um, gets involved and engaged and, and is, is, is just kind of naturally curious about what I do and in, in the world around him. So it's easy to focus on everything that's going wrong in St. Louis. Um, what are we getting right? What are we just killing right now? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I think a lot of things are going really well. Um, you know, we have got a tremendous amount of energy through um, the Central Corridor, like I said, with um, the soccer stadium. Um, I'm excited to see the, some of the development around NGA. Um, you know, the good development group down here along the landing, I think, or excuse me, just south of the arch uh, along the Shoto's uh, landing. Um, is really, really exciting. I think we're getting some of those things right. And I think, too, you know, kind of um, I don't agree with everything that the Board of Aldermen is doing, maybe the, the sort of extreme nature of things. But I do think that kind of trying to, um, you know, think about things differently is uh, is is a good thing and, and kind of focusing on, um, you know, uh, at least trying to get some policy done, I think, is a good thing. So I think we're getting those things right. Um, you know, I would like to see us focus on, you know, five, 10 year plans uh, that look like which streets we're going to pave and how we're going to get, you know, how we're going to make sure that we have enough trash trucks and the, the, the actual infrastructure we need to get things done. So I'd kind of like to, you know, shift some of that energy into maybe more boring, and, but but certainly more um, um, day to day government got governance uh, activity kind of practical things that anyone can point at and say like oh they got that done for us absolutely I mean those are things that I think are the bread and butter of a city government and and um, <laughs> we've got to get those things right so but you know there's a lot going for St. Louis right now um, you know there's certainly we are culinary um, you know the, the restaurants that are opening it's just, it's just amazing some of the things that that's really going on in the undercurrent the the musicians I mean I'm going out you know once a week to see a live music show and and um, and really really enjoying uh, being being a part of you know just regular St. Louis so this is my final question, Kara. What are you most proud of in your political career so far? And can you, I guess it's a two-pronged question. And can you share with us your next big goal? Well, I, I don't know that I have one big one. I'm certainly uh, really proud of fighting the privatization of the airport. But, you know, shifting wards, um, you know, I get calls every single day from, from several, lots of residents, um, but many of my old 20th, resi- 20th ward residents and helping people that uh, don't otherwise have access to government, helping them figure out and navigate the simple things of life, 
um, and having that, um, you know, reaffirmation, reaffirmation that, you know, people still continue to call me. Being reelected with 70, 80 percent of the vote is just such an incredible feeling. Um, and, and, and a lot of it is policy oriented, but a lot of it is just, you know, the relationships you build over time and, 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 and being able to serve people um, in a way that um, makes their lives better. So I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I, I really love doing it. My next big step, you asked? Yes, please. <laughs> well, um, well, I'm going to continue to serve. I mean, I think there's going to be some, yeah, there's, certainly there's um, uh, opportunities in the future. But right now, my focus really is getting through this legislative session, getting some of the big things done, uh, the gun legislation we passed this summer. But, you know, the uh, other things that we're working on are really important to me. And I think uh, as far as other big things go, uh, we'll be taking a look at those uh, early this spring. Kara Spencer, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, of course. It was fun to be here. Big thanks to Kara for joining us. I had a really great time talking to her. If you'd like to hear the full conversation again, you can podcast this episode, The Rachel Zimmerman Show. Just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rachel ZSTL. If you have any questions about the show or you just want to see what's going on, go follow me. Welcome back to the Rachel Zimmerman Show. Hope you've been enjoying yourselves so far. Now we're going to do an interview with Robin Hirsch-Steinhoff. She's the Artistic Director of Art St. Louis. I'm Robin. I'm from Art St. Louis. And our organization started off as the St. Louis Artist Coalition back really actually in the late 70s. And we took over the nonprofit status or charter from another um, small organization. And for the first few years of the organization, we didn't have a space. So we put on exhibitions of St. Louis regional artists works in spaces that would be given to us, you know, for a short period of time. And then we would put on these shows. And it started with an exhibit 39 years ago called Art St. Louis, the Exhibition. And that highlighted about 100 St. Louis area artists who were invited by a handful of other artists and some professionals in museum work, gallery gallery directors, and they invited these 100 artists to be in our first exhibition, and that was kind of where it started, um, highlighting and showing how important St. Louis's own artists are in the context of our whole community. We give a lot of um, attention to artists who are who we te- who were told are famous internationally or they're in Los Angeles or New York, you know, the major metropolitan areas while we have those amazing artists living and working here in St. Louis, some of whom have careers in the coast, you know, in the coastal cities in the big in the big cities. But um, but our own community doesn't necessarily know that they're here. Once they do see their work, they're recognized and and lauded. But um, but there was a big separation between artists who are here and everyone else, and and more credit was given to the artists who were kind of from elsewhere instead of here. So really, the the focus of Art St. Louis as an organization is to shine the light on our area's fabulous visual artists. And how do you typically connect with local artists? We really rely on word of mouth. When the internet came about, that was really a fabulous resource to share information. So 
We put the information out there on our website. We take advantage of all the social media outlets, and we write press releases and send those to all of the broadcast stations and and in print. And um, we just try to take advantage of every resource that we can. We're not big on advertising. We've kind of found that the um, the audience for what we're doing is really first and foremost artists because we're trying to shine the light on them and get their work seen and then and then their community also the general public um, but we need everyone to kind of support the organization so we're not just relying on artists to kind of be our main sponsors and donors we want the whole community to contribute and support the work of the regional artists so tell me a little bit about catalyst coffee I kind of refer to our coffee bar as the the gateway um, beverage instead of gateway drug, the gateway beverage into bringing people into Art St. Louis. And that was why we originally um, added that as an aspect to our business model was to help people become more comfortable in a gallery setting because it can be a little austere going into a gallery and and we want people to just feel at home. So we have this coffee bar, and we have um, we took over ownership of it about, I want to say, five or six years ago already. So we had subleased the, um, the coffee bar space to Mississippi Mud Coffee Roasters, and we worked with them for several years. And then they decided that they just really wanted to focus on roasting their coffee, which is it's the best tasting coffee. It really is great. So um, when they decided to kind of walk away from the retail aspect of it, as far as making coffee and selling it and managing baristas and all of that, we knew how important that business was to getting, helping bring people in our door. And we basically just enveloped it into our nonprofit status. And it is a great source of income, but mostly it's just a great way to help people feel comfortable in our gallery space. So they can, they're welcome to stay all day, sit, use our, you know, our wireless. We have some sofas and some tables in the back of our space that are quiet areas where you can just kind of sit and contemplate, get your work done. But we, we're happy to have the, the, the employees of the radio station and students at SLU Law, people from City Hall, people who are on jury duty. Downtown has is such a vast community uh, with such a variety of individuals, and, and they're all welcome in our space. If they find us and, and want to come visit, we're there. What do you think um, attracts someone to art? How do people get bitten by the art bug? That is a complicated question. Like, I don't know. I, I always kind of like it to falling in love. Like you you might be at, let's say the Tower Grove Farmer's Market always has like artist booths or you've gone to a an art museum or you went to an art fair. Let's say Edwardsville Art Fair was just this past weekend. There are a lot of art fairs in St. Louis. And so a person might have exposure to an artist's work at one of those types of experiences, and then then they learn that there are art galleries where they can see, you know, see more. And I think it's a, a lot of dipping one's toes into the experience because 
a lot of people don't necessarily have uh, an opportunity to be around original art or even know what original art is, that, you know, it was made by someone from our community and it's one of a kind and, um, and, and oftentimes available for purchase so you can own it. So, um, but I think once you've had that experience seeing original art, meeting the artist and, and finding a place that is kind of easy for your sensibilities and you, and you relate to it, you fall in love and then, and then you're kind of hooked. Is there any kind of through line that you notice with St. Louis artists? Do, do they have something to say that's unique to our community? Always. Yeah. Um, I think that they speak a lot of, about a lot of how we are a good visual art community. I mean, Every city has its issues, obviously, and and visual artists are often finding creative ways, novel ways. They might even be the first ones to draw attention to social issues that are going on. So that's sometimes why we'll have thematic exhibitions that focus on things like that. You know, artists definitely comment on communities and draw attention to things that we might not normally notice. Um, very subtly, as well as yelling about it. You know, we had an exhibition last year that I called Declaration, and that was definitely artists pointing out to, you know, their audience, to our to our gallery visitors, some of the ills that were going on in our community as far as, um, you know, politics and and the race relations situation that we have in St. Louis, crime, um, that's not what the whole city is. We're not just one um, one bad thing. So they point out, you know, artists kind of demonstrate, point out the good things too. But Declaration was especially essential in communicating, showing that artists can communicate these serious ideas that we might read in the New York Times or in in our local papers about what's going on in the world, and they they stand there with their work and and draw attention and say, "Hey, this is going on. Give it some give it some attention." So, tell me about the current exhibit going on right now, Creatures Three. <laughs> Creatures Three is fun, and I work hard to create exhibitions that are both serious where, you know, where there's high art and big thinking and, and topics, like I've said, the Declaration Exhibition last year. And um, we had a show called Personal History where it was kind of an examination of of how we kind of view ourselves in the mirror and then present our stories to other people as artists. And, you know, if if these artists were poets or authors, then we would be reading their words as descriptions. But instead, these artists present things in a visual manner. And so they depict all of those things in a painting or a photograph or or a drawing. And so Creatures 3 is our current exhibition through, um, through mid-October. And that is really just joy. It's all about animals, pets, beasts, We've got everything from cows and dogs and cats and wolves and elephants and monkeys and <laughs> chickens. And it's just a celebration of 
beasts and creatures, humans, insects. Before we go, if people want to get involved with Art St. Louis, where do they go? Well, they can visit us six days a week in the gallery, or they can visit our website, which is artstlouis.org. We're about to upgrade that whole thing after 10 years, which is great. And um, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just try to keep keep visiting us. All right. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the first ever episode of The Rachel Zimmerman Show. Next week, we're going to talk to Andy Karanzif. He's the owner of Crown Candy Kitchen, a St. Louis institution. Thanks, guys, and have a wonderful weekend.